RDTDaily.com presents a Tara Buster with comedian Tara Devlin. Boom. Hello. How you doing? Oh, my God. Hi, everybody. My name is Tara Devlin. Thank you for hanging out. Yeah, I, uh, well, what day is this? Saturday. It's kind of hard. Everything melds together. Today is our regularly, I can't talk, scheduled gathering. Every other show is kind of up in the air. So I want to really thank you for hanging out with me every time I decide to do a show. Hopefully, we'll have a regularly scheduled weekday show eventually. And... That's the goal. So if you want to become a patron, if you can become a patron, I want to say, I also want to tell you that you don't have to be a patron to join in on our chat. Please do not, don't be, um, I don't know, somebody said to me that they wanted to come onto the chat, but they, they're not a patron, but that you don't need to be a patron to be in the chat. So we're at... The YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash C for channel slash RDT Daily Media. Those are the, the texts that I'll be interacting with. And in the meantime, you know, wherever you are, come and meet us. Otherwise, I don't know. What am I trying to say? Please, yeah, we all support the show as, and in the ways that we can. So... All right. There are other things you can do. It doesn't have to be financial. And I'm, I'm not, the show is not just a big giant pitch. We meet here because we're the liberal media. This is the liberal media. I hate to tell you. You're looking at it. It's not, I know, I get it. It could be better. It's, there's no Tommy Lauren here. Uh, not for many, many years. I would never be a Tommy Lauren. You don't. Uh, who who needs that? Who needs that? They have the platform. We only have each other. So unless yeah, we want to go uh, into that dark night. But we're not going in there quietly, that's for sure. So let's, uh, we stick together, we win is the motto. This is the liberal media. And yeah, all right, what am I trying to say? Let's just get into it. Obviously, my head is not screwed on great today i'm wearing my canay or canny t-shirt that's to commemorate the battle of canay it's they changed the name they changed the pronunciation i'm not sure if it's canny anymore or canay it used to be canay now it's canny it's one of the greatest historical battles in history it's still studied today by middle military historians and i i'm a big buff of history especially roman history and this battle i wear this shirt when i'm feeling like the underdog because the the story of the battle of Cannae or canny i'll just say canay whatever is it was now it has many lessons for us today in modern and what we're dealing with now because what i'm really concerned about is that we have a lot of momentum going on. We are definitely the underdogs. Progressives have always been the underdogs. That doesn't mean that we lose constantly. As uh, Martin Luther King said, the arc of history is long, but it bends towards justice. Yes, it does. But it also needs a kick in the ass. It doesn't just go 
because everybody goes along and gets along. When you go out into the streets, when you say you're not going to take it anymore, it starts to bend a little quicker. And what I feel, what I fear right now is that we have a lot of momentum. There are a lot of people out in the streets, and there are they're there for... Wait, 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 wait. Someone say... Yeah, where is an ancient Roman when you need one for pronunciation? Right? It's true. Thank you. Interesting things on the chat. So I often mispronounce things anyway, but you get the point. The whole the Battle of Cannae was... It, it, all right. The thing that concerns me... All right. Let me just get my thoughts together. That So in early Roman history, the Romans and the Carthaginians were rivals. Carthage was a beautiful, modern, incredible civilization. Not many people know or have heard of the Carthaginians today, which is kind of sad. I'm not saying that you guys don't, but ask anybody uh, where where's Carthage? Where was Carthage? What is Carthage? They will not know. But it was equally as impressive and, and much more so. They were a giant trading power. If you, the ruins of Carthage are uh, it's, are unbelievable. So Lord knows where we, this the whole Western civilization would be today. And then, of course, there were downsides to Carthage. They were into human sacrifice and things like that. Nobody's perfect. And I'm not saying that that uh, that Carthage or the Romans in any way, shape, or form was perfect. But no, it was in Africa, not in Italy. So um, on for Sin City on the chat, if you're asking where it was... It was in, so they were Mediterranean powers vying for the control of the Mediterranean Sea for trading purposes. And they were in constant conflict. And they were at war numerous times. And one of those wars is known as the Second Punic War. And that was where Hannibal, the great general who is still studied today, met. He met uh, the Romans. He kicked the Romans' ass until eventually they it, they never gave up. Well, one thing about the Romans that th the reason that they became the um, major power of on Earth for a thousand a thousand years was one thing they never gave up. So that's something we could take from them. It, no matter how they were beaten. And they were beaten numerous times along the way where you would have said, this is the end. That's the end of this civilization. They never gave up, no matter what. In fact, that whole, what is, there's a, there's the saying, the Puric victory. Puric, meaning that someone who is, who is victorious but has sacrificed so much that it's almost like a loss. But that came from Roman history, the Puric victory is uh, comes from a victory that inflicts such a devastating toll on the victor that it is tantamount, tantamount to a defeat. And it comes from the Puric, uh, who is the, it was a Puric, the king of Epicurus, Epicurus, he said, because he kicked the Romans' ass, but he had, he had lost so much, he said, another victory like this and we're done for. 
So uh, that's where that comes from. So you just never give up. That's one of that's one lesson. The other thing is with the Battle of Cannae, the, Hannibal was outnumbered two to one. Everybody thought this is it. They're going to be wiped out. And he it was also using the um, the arrogance of the Romans against them. And you, if you watch Game of Thrones, you probably saw they they mimicked the Battle of Cannae where I think it was in the episode known as Battle of the Bastards where one of the the attacking armies encircles the other army and then it's just a slaughter. And that's exactly what Hannibal did. He encircled the Romans. So at that point, it didn't matter. He He made them think that they were winning by putting his weaker forces in the front and as those weaker forces buckled the stronger forces encircled the entire army the roman army and they slaughtered them to a man 20 well i think it was over more let me see how many people died at cannae could you imagine you're you're at home you're a civilian you're living in ancient Rome and you get the news that your entire army has been wiped out completely to a man, almost to a man. 50,000, yeah, 50,000 legionnaires. That's more than the entire Vietnam, the losses in the entire Vietnam War in one battle. So after that happened of course the people of rome the senators of rome they all thought this is it we're done for the end of the roman republic we're out of here they uh but they were basically they assumed that hannibal was going to march on rome to take over and he didn't so this is what where my fear comes in that you think that you you're winning and then instead of pressing your advantage, you give up. You say, oh, it's, uh, we don't have enough A, B, or C. And the, according to Hannibal, he, he felt that he didn't have enough siege weapons to encircle or, or, or uh, besiege the uh, Roman city itself, Rome. So anyway, um, oh, here, shit, here comes the music. I'm sorry, guys. This sucks. <laughs> I have to say, I gotta say, I have to stop saying this sucks. Okay, I hear it. I get it. It doesn't suck. It's great. This is the greatest show ever. So, I fear what we're gonna do. So, eventually, what happened with with Carthage is that the Romans never gave up battling I mean, first of all they were su surprised that hannibal didn't press his advantage and take over and then there was another famous quote from that period where one of his, hannibal's generals said well you know how to win obviously the gods gave you many gifts but not all because you know how to win but you do not know how to make use of your victory and i fear that this is going to happen yet again here in in the united states this is a human thing nothing is handed to us and in fact if you don't continue to fight we will continue to lose ground we they're gonna give us a couple of statues they'll give us some 
semblance, some feckless police reform, but nothing else is going to change. And the system, the entire system that created a fascist police force is going to remain intact unless we push the advantage. So if we take the lessons of what happened to Carthage, just major civilization, the, eventually what happened was Hannibal was defeated. He was denied victory after victory for 15 years chasing the Roman army. They, they, would, they decided, hey, we can't beat this guy. We're not even going to engage. So they baited him all around Italy for for he hadn't been home for I'm not sure I think it was 15 it might have been 20 years and finally he was defeated and then the Romans extracted a a revenge which was they completely annihilated the city of Carthage to a person it was a genocide when they that's why you don't hear of Carthage that's why you don't know I mean not you maybe Many people, most people that I talk to, they don't know what Carthage is or was, and we would be living in a much different world. This is, these are the lessons of history, frankly. Um, I fear, knowing history, that we will, uh, we, we're going to uh, not learn these lessons at all. We won't, we won't learn from their mistakes. People barely learn from their own mistakes, you know, they say a wise person learns from their, what was it? What is it? A smart person learns from their mistake, a wi- their mistakes. A wise person learns from the mistakes of others. I fear we're neither. We don't even learn from the mistakes of five years ago, from 10 years ago. We have absolutely no historical recollection in the least. And pa- that's part of the reason why we're in a racist-ass country. Oh, so the, the filthy, disgusting Republicans, they want us to learn all about heritage? This is what pisses me off, besides everything else, is that they, they, they're such the, the, um, they're the keepers of American heritage, yet they don't want to know about any other American experience. If they were the keepers of heritage then why don't we know about the uh, Tulsa massacre? Why isn't that taught in school? What about even when we were playing on the other show, the clip from the David Cavett show of Lester Maddox interrupting Jim Brown? The Lester Maddox, arguably the most racist governor of Georgia that Georgia ever had, a segregationist, proudly, someone who shut down his own goddamn restaurant because he didn't want to serve people who have darker pigment. It's so ridiculous. And kept interrupting Jim Brown. What about white people? What about white people? What do you mean when he says, well, black people, black What about white people? What about white people? He has the, 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 he's just an insulting little troll that thinks his white privilege, well, knows his white privilege, allows him to behave in such a deplorable manner. And I use that word, not advisably, but deliberately. And 
What about white people? What about black people? What about the history of this country? There is no historical... There's no historical connection to this country. So black people are supposed to forget the entire history of the Ameri- of their American experience, but yet while only embracing the American experience of white people. Yet again, the, the insult upon injury, upon injury, upon insult that continues to go, to, to go on until today. And, le- and, and unless we are conscious about it, you know, this country, as, ma- as in many other countries, you know, they all have a very interesting history. Honestly, what's so interesting about the last 250 fucking years? There's, you know, when you go to other, when you go to Europe, you go to different countries in Europe, you're like, holy shit, this, the history here is thousands and thousands, 10,000 years, more. We have a history like that too, but according to the American experience, we're not supposed to, I, I don't know, we're not, they, they don't teach it. They don't teach, it's like life begins at conception and ends at birth for the Republicans. It's this is their historical version of that. Life begins, history begins and ends at their own goddamn eyelashes, unless they're looking in a mirror. So, for example, oh, many things, every fucking day, it never ends. And I, I, I hope it will end, though. But it won't. <laughs> I hope it ends, but it won't end. And it won't end even with the election of Joe Biden. If he gets elected, Great. But all of this, these, these, the, the poisonous strains are still coursing in our body politic. They have to be confronted and overcome. On my website, rdtdaily.com, one of our writers, our very pro- prolific writer, Daryl Lucas, wrote an article about somebody who I can't stand. His name is C.J. Pearson. He's a young... I don't know how young he is. I think he's... Let me see. How old is this fucking C.J. Pearson? He's one of the right-wing human shields that they use for their bigotry. Oh, he's age 17. 17 years old. You think he's a wonderkind? He's a little man, Tate? Doubtful. He's one of these right-wingers. He happens to have darker pigment, so they propel him. And he's like the Jonathan Crone, except he's, he's not white. I mean, I wonder if they'll make him their keynote speaker at CPAC this year. I wouldn't doubt it. And as Daryl writes, because he, he writes, he, he tweeted out, the C.J. Pearson, the racial divide will always exist in America because the left has a vested interest in its perpetuation. Now, of course, I say the exact opposite. The racial divide is, exists because the fascists, the right-wingers, the corporatists, they love, they need it. They need to keep people at each other's throats, the working class. But C.J. Pearson continues, the moment it fades away will be the moment they lose control over black America. Now, I tweeted at this person, C.J. Pearson, what are you talking about exactly? Before I fill in the blanks, of course, he never responded because I know what he's going to say. It's the same old racist trope. 
So, as Darrell writes, Donald Trump pulled off his hostile takeover of the Republican Party and then his upset victory in 2016 by stoking racial resentment. Numerous studies show that a correlation between support for Trump and racial resentment. Trump has proven time and time again that he has a vested interest in stirring up division and hatred. And yet, in the face of all this, one of Trump's youngest and most ardent supporters claims that with a straight face, that it's the Democrats who are the ones who want to keep the races divided, namely black conservative teenager C.J. Pearson. With all due respect, C.J., Daryl writes, you have a real short memory. After all, you're supporting a man who told four Democratic lawmakers of color to go back and fix the countries where they were born, language that is explicitly condemned as racist by the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. You're supporting a man who calls the racists and thugs who rampage through Charlottesville very fine people. You're standing with a man who has very few qualms about unleashing vicious attacks on minorities who dare to speak up. For instance, he called NFL players who took a knee to protest police brutality sons of bitches and willfully called lawmakers of color savages, quote-unquote. And before then, he was one of the loudest promoters of the racially charged claims that Barack Obama wasn't even born in this country. Add it all up, and anyone without orange or red blinders, can see that Trump is a man who has a vested interest in stoking racial hatred. And you stand with a party that threw its doors open to segregationists who walked out on Democrats after the National Party embraced civil rights. By all rights, the powers that be in the GOP should have told these unrepentant racists to go fly a kite. But for them, victory took precedence over basic decency, Where have we heard this before? So if you want to complain about politicians having a vested interest in stirring up racial division, CJ, you may want to take a long, hard look at your own president and your own party. Now, all of, if you go to CJ Pearson's Twitter account, and I just want to thank Daryl Lucas for yet another article for RDT Daily. He, He writes... Uh, uh, he's an amazing writer and contributor and we are trying to contribute as much liberal programming and articles you got to keep up you got to you know fight fight these fascist bastards so um so if you go to cj's cj's twitter feed now i asked him what do you mean because what he's really asked what he's really doing Again, yet again, this is what Republicans do. And of course, if you look at the responses that he's received on his Twitter feed, they're like, oh, good for you. See, all these white fuckers jumping in. Good for you. I don't know who needs to hear this. Democrats fought to keep slaves. Republicans freed slaves. These are the responses he's getting. Now, I can't wait to uh, let me dive in and get it and fucking dismantle these fuckers because first of all cj pearson this is why i asked him control how and with what please dazzle us with your acumen acumen because what he's doing what he's saying he is recycling the same old racist tropes again 
whether he knows it or not. I don't care if he's got darker pigment. This is a 17-year-old idiot who doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. So I want him to show his work. Of course, they never bring the receipts. They only bring their guts. And it's a bunch of ugly guts to boot. They're saying, what he's saying is that, yet again, this whole racist trope that Democrats, the reason that black people support, overwhelmingly support, the Democratic Party. Goddamn. Oh, fuck. Don't tell me. Don't tell me the goddamn... Can you hear me? I just, my, my headset just went out in my ears. Okay, I'm still on the air. Okay, guys, you can still hear me. Good, good, good. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. What can you do? Fucking... Okay, good. Yeah. All of a sudden, well, yet again, I thought we were going to crash again because this happened the last show. All right. So what they're doing, what the what the fucking racist Republicans do are they say that Democrats woo um, African-Americans by offering them welfare. So this is what. C.J. Pearson is saying, this is why I want, I, I, don't, I want him to explain himself. What are you talking about? The left has a vested interest in a racial divide. The moment it fades, how is it, wh- how do the, the left, quote unquote, control black America? Are you saying that there's, black people are just dumbasses who are wooed by what? What are? How are we controlling? How are Democrats controlling Black America? And you know what he's what he's talking about? It is the wink and the nod again. It's the racist dog whistle, and it's even worse that it's coming from a young Black man. And he's just as bad as who's that other one? That Candace Owens, another one. They love. They're human shields, whether they are wearing a uniform or they're somebody who happens to have a, a few darker, a little darker pigment. Well, anybody's got darker pigment than me, that's for sure. But so it's uh, it's an old racist trope that black people just want to hang out in a social safety net hammock, and this is what happens. So Democrats are offering they offer. The social safety net and, you know, Republicans who they do not look down upon black people with this, uh, what is that? How did he put, Bush put it? The soft bigotry of low expectations. They have such clever ways of uh, wrapping their fucking bullshit, but it's all bullshit. And the fact that this C.J. Pearson, it's so sad. What now? First of all, what is his credentials? That's what I want to know. Did he go to school? Is he some kind of wonderkind? Is he a genius? What has he done with his life? I mean, why would anybody listen to a seventeen-year-old? It's the Jonathan Crone effect. All they do, and now we know, because Jonathan Crone was their last uh, right-wing wonderkind who admitted as a as a grown man now years ago that he all he did was repeat what he heard on Rush Limbaugh's radio show and his 
the goddamn right wingers made them made him the keynote speaker at their fucking circle jerk gathering. That is such a racist cabal of assholes that they even had a a seminar called "Are you tired of being called a racist when you know you're not?" Well, if people are calling you a racist, honey, maybe you need to look in the mirror a little bit. So, but they like the C.J. Pearsons of the world. Because he gives them cover for their bigotry. Some of the responses are real. Of course, there's all these white people responding, responding. Let's see. Oh, they're all, uh, they're whining. Let me show you what I'm looking at. This is CJ Pearson's page. They're all, they're coming to the defense of Tucker Carlson. Oh, here we go. Don't you just love the Democrat Party? What the fuck is the Democrat Party? I don't know who needs to hear this, but nearly all your donations to Black Lives Matter are used to help white people. Don't you just love the Democrat Party? There is no fucking Democrat Party, as we know. But I can't get into it again. Unreal. Why do most Democrats only care about black people during election years? As if, well, I mean, what have the Republicans ever done for black people? Oh, they, oh, Republicans freed the slaves. There's a, there's a very complicated history of that as well, that the Republican Party doesn't want us to know about or hear or even discuss of course, Lincoln, you know, um, how about, let me see, hold on. First of all, let's, let's not be children. Just because something has a D after its name or an R after its name, and if you have to go back to 1860s to pick something out that you think the Republicans did for black people, then you really uh, need to look in the mirror right now. Go to the mirror immediately and look and say, what the fuck is wrong with me? And slap yourself across the face. But the, uh, the whole veneration of Lincoln, that has complexities as well. He only f- signed the Emancipation Proclamation after exhausting all other avenues. First, he told the... after. In fact, af- was it after he signed the... Uh, now that I'm saying this, after... Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation. He actually told the Southerners that he would allow them to keep slaves until 18, no, until 1900 if they put down their arms immediately. That was after he signed the Emancipation Proclamation. Lincoln, let me see. I'm just checking my own signed. Proclamation. Yeah, eighteen. No, it was he. He said that they could keep their slaves for fifty years. No, forty years. So that was one of. So he. It wasn't about slaves. He didn't care. It was only until he had exhausted all other options. And in fact, another one of the options he explored and he invited black leaders into the White House to discuss um, 
um, having them leave. That's what he wanted to do. He was saying, like, this country's great. Uh, we have no problems. It's only you guys. You guys are making it bad here. You're the slaves, black people. We want you out of here. If you weren't here, we would, everything would be great. So he, and in fact, at that time, Frederick Douglass said, fuck this, I'm out of here. That was before the Civil War. He wanted, he, uh, Lincoln wanted to just get rid of, say, you know, that don't, doesn't worry, you've been born here, your, your family's here, you are an American, you built this country on, on your goddamn free labor, but you know, get the fuck out. You're, we have, uh, you're, you're causing all this problem, all problems for us. Get out. So this is another alternative that Reagan, I'm thinking of Reagan because I have a Reagan clip for you, unfortunately, that Lincoln, the great emancipator, came up with. And let me see, there was, in fact... Let's see, what's his name? You know, Frederick Douglass, that great American who's been getting noticed more and more recently, year after year, for all his good work he's been doing. William Lloyd Garrison was one of the people that I think he told, he's, after Lincoln said, get the, to black people, why don't you just leave the country? And William Lloyd Garrison, who was an abolitionist, was he's called Abraham Lincoln white trash and uh, nothing who has nothing elevated or noble in his character <laughs> until he finally he signed the Emancipation Proclamation. It was really not the first thing on his mind. That's why, you know, what makes me when I think about that movie was it, isn't there a movie recently about Lincoln and the Emancipation Proclamation that makes him to be uh, some kind of amazing hero saying no 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 um, let's have the real story the real American experience how he had to be pushed how everything in this country that sucks has been a compromise with filthy fucking racists and greed-centered ghouls who wanted to keep human beings in bondage. That's the problem with this country. We compromise with, with the disgusting elements. When you don't, you can't compromise with snakes. You have to evolve. You have to move on without them. The his history will judge them even more vehemently or, dis or uh, with more... Um, well, truth especially, but even more vehemently than the normal patriotic Americans do now. So, let's see, is way more recent than the alleged... Yeah, I'm looking at the chat. The Southern strategy is way more recent history than the allegedly racist Democratic Party. There are racist people everywhere. There are bigoted people. And, oh, let me... God damn it. There's so many things going on. I just wanted to play this one. I, I got this. Where is this fucking story? I hope I have it. Oh, yeah. I came across this, um, this piece by The Guardian about this curious town. 
that is filled with people who have white pigment, but they consider themselves to be black. And it's just when you watch it, I don't know, maybe for me, I when I saw it, I was like, it just shows you how ridiculous it is, how race is just a construct. And it is so goddamn stupid. I'm just trying to see how, where the music cue is. All right, let me play it. With a lot of the people that lives out here, you probably wouldn't take them to be black people. You might not look black, but you got the black blood into you. <laughs> what the hell? You got the black blood. saying many of the racial of the descendants well, of a racially mixed Berta community Jeanette identify Orton, as black but i go by bird for a nickname i've lived here all my life on my job that i had worked at they took me to be white and my best friend she uh took me to be white she was shocked when i told her i'm not white i am black <laughs> it's like okay you're not I white am a black person you look, and it was, well, you're, you're you look not that. White. You think you are. No, I know I am. I was raised that way. But I was also raised, as mom would say, it doesn't matter what color your skin is. We all serve one God. Now, as you know, this is my home. Over here is my daughter's home, Jessica. Everybody else in here, we're all kinfolks. That's how this community got to be mixed with white and black. It was from the black children. Mm. Our children going out marrying white and bringing them in. A lot of them was as light as I am, but we still said we were black. And then we had some real dark ones. It's so ridiculous, okay. though. We were black, we were black. We were black, they so were that's black. That's how they, this all got started. What the? F they all look like, why? My grandma? She was half Turk, half black. My grandpa was a white man. My mom registered me as black. My mom was a, she wasn't as fair complected as I am. She was a light tan brown. My dad, he has German, Irish, white. Well, his mother was a white woman. His dad was a colored man. And then as I, grew older and I got married and I had my children. I registered my children as black. I have found that stone that was here around the mountain. Most of them in this area goes as black. We've got maybe two, three families that considers themselves being white, but the rest of us in here- <laughs> It's so ridiculous. We consider ourselves being black. <laughs> you know this country is precious, always have been. And it never will grow out of it. I was in the service in 66. Yeah, I circled black, Negro. <laughs> he said, you can't circle that. I said, that's what I am. Well, he kind of smiled. And he said, uh, circle this. I said, okay, which meant Caucasian. I didn't show my collar, but I know what I was. And I ain't going to tell you about my race. My mom raised me as Negroes. Oh, I had a lot of people ask me, say, why did your mom raise you as a Negro? I said, that's what I am. They said, yeah, but you don't show it. I said, it's going to come a time where white won't accept you and then Negroes will accept you. I said, I'll, I'll wait it out. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
about all you can do. He'll shout the victorious. Oh, yes. He'll break through the blue. Yes, yes. Some golden day break oh, yeah. for me and for you. Amen. Growing up, I was always taught that I was black. <laughs> I started into school and um, didn't really think much about it until I got into the elementary, I'm going to say around about third or fourth grade, that's when I started noticing a difference. I started noticing I was being taught that I was black, but I didn't look black. Uh, other children didn't it's view so me as ridiculous. black. It's so ridiculous. Even some of those other kids made fun of me because why are you saying you're black when you're white? It's like, It wasn't until I reached about cares? July and then I realized I'm white. That is what I am. Yes, I know I was raised black and was told I was black, but I am white. What black person has blonde hair, blue eyes, and fair complexion and can hardly tan besides Bernie? It's so weird, and you who don't cares? Have to look black I tell to be black. I know she don't look black, but she has got black in her. She's right. She's got a lot of different kind in her. A different but kind. I am her mother. I stand on the black. She. I stand on the black. Did not stand. Only for so long of a time she stood. As for <laughs> when she got into school, into Waverly School, she let the people in Waverly change her thinking, her feeling. I didn't. I still stood for what I was, what my mother told me I was. I didn't care what I had to go through. I still stood for it. When I finally made the decision <laughs> it's so to go bizarre. Point, I did feel guilty about it. It did, in a way, break my heart. It's nothing against She's my family. Off. And it doesn't mean that I don't like black people or love black people or care for black people. I do. And like I told her, I can't be racist, and I know that. And I would never want to be, even if, even if I chose. It's crazy. I couldn't. I don't want that for myself or for my children. You're never going to get to the top of that mountain, I'm telling you. The black blood in you is going to stay there. And whether you want to what accept it or not, What is the difference? There is going to be people to pick it out of you, whether you mention East Jackson or not. This fucking world, man. I went to a doctor in Waverly a couple good years back. And on that application, it asked my race. And I put black. <laughs> the woman come out. She ain't here and otherwise. Said to me, but who how cares? Can you be black. First of all, and I kind of stare. It made when when I was watching this, I was thinking about all the forms in my life that I've had to put down. What you you know, Caucasian. What you are. It's just so stupid. Now in the future, you know that future generations, not that long in the future, will probably look back on that how we all had to do that as being ridiculous it's really a vestige of our racist ass history that's it why would you of course now i see okay you want to put down because you want to make sure that there is diversity but if all things were equal why would you need that this is why it matters what we fight for Everybody in, nobody out. You don't have to worry about checking a form. Where, what? It, you got it. You're in it. You're an American. 
You have health care. You have higher education. You have living wages. You have retirement security. In my world, in my, you know, in the progressive vision, it wouldn't matter. So what? You're a, you got white, you got, even what this lady is saying, you got a lot of in you. You got the, you got uh, white in you. You got black in you. You got, who fucking cares? It's so ridiculous. Because she throwed me off. She said, I have never seen a black person, fair complected, blue eyes, freckles, and red hair. I said, well, surprise, you see her now. And she wanted to change my race. She was aiming on marking out the black and putting white. And I told her, don't you do that. I know what I go by. I know what I am. You leave it there. Wow. I will never, ever deny my race for what my mother had brought me up and raised me and had right. put me as. I will always be that until the day I leave this earth. As Haiku says, would a cop shoot her dead for reaching for a wallet? Like Phil Philando? No, I don't think so. So, yeah. I I suppose it's some kind of loyalty to her mother or something. Or she thinks she's honoring what her mother ta taught her. But it's kind of ridiculous. As I was talking about, we were talking about Reagan. Here's an interview now. All right. Here's the Republicans. First of all, uh, it's the old adage. Not all Republicans are racists, but all racists are Republicans. Come on. Let's get real here. Here's Reagan in 1967 talking with a bunch of white students at Yale University. And let me ask you, let's play this and then we'll discuss What's changed in this in the world we live in today? Why is it that, that each time you've spoken about civil rights, you've talked about the integration of baseball, about Willie Mays and Jackie Robinson? It, it's become repetition, repetitious, and it seems to me a sad concept of civil rights if it extends to the integration of baseball. I mean, the real problems are questions of housing, uh, questions of today. the ghetto. And well, let me ask you something. What is the democratic machine <coughs> in Chicago? We're all ready. We're with you. We don't like Daly. We don't like Daly. What have they done compared to what we're doing in California? And why don't you get down to some of the specifics? And in some classes, well, they haven't. I've answered. You hear what he's saying? It's the same shit that they say today, that Republicans say, that Lester Maddox said, and it's also what Joe Biden is saying. He's got some tokens for you. Lester Maddox had a most diverse cabinet in Georgia history or whatever the hell. How, how is that working for us? Where are we today? And this is what these Yale students, all of these white Yale students, by the way, are talking when they're talking to um, fucking Reagan as he's, he's the governor at this time, talking to Reagan uh, and... He calls, one of the students calls him out. Every time we talk about race, you're talking, you bring up the integration of baseball, for God's sakes. What's the fucking difference now? This is what we're getting from, from all, both sides of the aisle. Come on. 
What is the difference? So it's the same thing that Joe Biden's saying, I'm going to put a, uh, a woman, I will pick a woman as a VP. Who cares? So what if there is a woman, someone who has, uh, you know, two uh, X, X, XX chromosome sitting at the top of a system that is corrupt, that doesn't work for all. That is the least upwardly mobile, where the um, women don't get paid as much as men, or let's say, you know, can't save $400. The majority is living check to check. So what? You have a VP that's a female. And okay, now he must pick a VP that is of someone who is black, who is a female. We're hearing the calls for this. Where are the calls to change the system? I don't hear these calls. Is that changing the system? Is that the change we can fucking believe in? Or that's only, that's the change that we're gonna get. That's what they want us to believe in. Because they think that that is, that's gonna placate the dumb, uh, the dumb dumbs like us. The dupes, the working class. The idiots at each other's throats over racial nonsense. Absolute and utter effing nonsense. I put down black. I, you gonna put that, you gonna push that button there? It's gonna be black. And I honor my mama. We're gonna be black. No, no. Hey, I don't see any black people with blonde hair, blue eyes. What? You know, it sounds so stupid. Who cares you have fucking blonde hair and blue eyes? Why should that matter? But it does. Because we're stupid. Human beings are dummies. Clearly. And they need to elevate themselves or make some distinctions without differences. So they, I don't know, feel like they're getting over. Like James Baldwin said, uh, even the worst white living in the worst circumstance, can say, at least I'm not black. So it's so stupid, though. It's so ridiculous. And here's Reagan saying the same thing that we're getting from Joe Biden. So Talking about, oh, well, you know, there's black people in the baseball now. There's, we got a black so-and-so. We got a black cabinet. We got a black this, a black that. Who fucking cares? We're how many years later in the United States of Serfs and Lords since 1967 and nothing has changed. They're still throwing tokens at us. Tokens and platitudes. Because real change we can believe in is too damn hard. Because they're not getting paid to peddle real change we can believe in. They're getting paid to ensure that the system makes the rich richer and keeps the working class in their uniquely American low-paying jobs doing uh, with no retirement security or living wages or just on the edge enough to not rise up and push back. And if they push back, they better just get their shit together and, hit, and throw them some platitudes, throw them some tokens so they shut up and go back to work and not... Ensure, ensure that they do not see the forest through the goddamn trees. Here's a black 
uh, baseball player. Here's a black millionaire. Here's a black... Who fucking cares? This is the game they've been playing on us for decades. Forever. You know, when I... uh, I mean, just going back to Lincoln for a second. Why? What is the problem here of our real history? If the real history of this country is so abhorrent, then... You know, no wonder we're so we're so goddamn sick in this country because we can't confront it. If it's that, if they under they know that it's abhorrent. You know what I mean? That's why they don't want it taught. They want to whitewash it. Talk about heritage. Oh, Lincoln freed the slaves. Oh, not after uh, uh, until he exhausted every other option. So let's get real. So what? Right. Unbelievable. As Andrea says on the chat, Obama had a black AG and a black national security advisor and nothing changed. Who cares? Exactly. He was a a mixed race person. Who fucking cares? Do we still have millions who have no health care? We still elected a goddamn fascist con man. Despite the fewer votes, he was elected on the racist-ass history of the Electoral College. Nobody knows about that either. They say, oh, well, those are the rules. But they don't understand why those rules were put in place because we're infants in this country. Why we don't confront our real history Oh, look, Lincoln, he's a fucking saint that walked among us. Look at the giant statue, a great American. So well-respected, as Twitler says. Uh, you think Twitler knows anything about the real history? Not the American, our American, our fellow Americans don't hardly know. For God's sakes. And here we go. Every time I dig up one of these clips of a Republican or a Democrat or anybody giving us tokens, 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 who fucking cares? When then you talk about what did they do to MLK? MLK, he gets assassinated for talking about equal justice, economic justice. He didn't get assassinated for talking about blacks and whites were, uh, going merrily on their way together. If that was his message, they would have elevated him. Are you kidding me? He would have been one of those tokens in Reagan's cabinet. If that were the case. But he was getting too uppity, getting too real. They need, there are plenty of tokens around. Get C.J. Pearson. He'll do it. Or Candace O. She'll do it. We have plenty of people willing to sell out their own. Uh, their own, And it's not just black people. They're selling everybody out. They're selling out the entire country. Because they want to keep the, the ignorance going. Keep the division going. And thereby keep this country locked in its upward immobility and income disparity and its racial 
goddamn bullshit discord. Because that's what the elites want. They, they don't want us pointing at them. You think Joe Biden wants us to be like, honey, we, we need um, a living wages. We need retirement. We need a system that works for all, not for some. Not for people under whatever fucking amount you guys in the ivory tower decide. You could trickle something upon us to keep the broken system going. And keep the uh, uh, American dum-dums fighting amongst each other over the scraps. Well, let's finish. It gets even worse with Reagan here. California is the only state I know in the union that has mobilized the entire independent sector. And is actually with a program in the minority pockets. Right. And particularly at Negroes as well as some other minorities, but particularly there to solve the employment problem by way of good productive jobs involving job training on a statewide basis and is putting thousands and thousands of them into of them. fine productive jobs. Why, doesn't, why don't you ask that when, when the president called a conference in Virginia some time ago on problems of this kind, the state of California, the governor of California, each governor was supposed to be repre sent a representative, his personal representative. I was the only one of the 50 governors who sent a Negro because he is my personal representative. <laughs> who cares? He is on my staff. Oh, well, Why don't all's you ask well. the first time in the history of the state of California that a Reagan man that was sent a Negro to represent him. Well, that's it. We're done. See how well we've done? Good thing we're all finished now and it's over and we can all, I guess, be great. Yeah, right? <laughs> Jelly bean and corn pop. Maybe Joe Biden can send corn pop to represent something. To be the ambassador to pools. The pool, uh, the lifeguard ambassador. Not an officer, an enlisted man, and a man that is a Negro is the director in charge of all veterans affairs for Ooh, the state of Negro. California. a Negro. Right. No, and, and in we, charge of veterans affairs. We have some tokens. Look, look at us. We've done it. We fixed it. We're over. It's great. And if you can't be great, the, oh, well, that's because you. Now, listen to what he says here. I, heard you. I, I remember we heard you yesterday tell us about the, some of the fine appointments you've made of uh, Negro officials in your administration. But we also asked you about, for example, the problem of wants. And you told us about your business friend. Right, your Chad business McClellan. friend. We've gotten jobs for a number of Negroes, and we found this very admirable. But you also pointed out that then a high percentage of these Negroes moved out of Watts. And a young man asked you then, what about the remaining four, the people in the inner ghetto, the people in Watts who aren't baseball players, who aren't appointed your administration? What to do about them? And, and we didn't have an answer. Oh, yes, you did. I told you that don't... Isn't it funny how we're saying the same things, basically? Of course, the language is a bit archaic for this time. But we're asking the same questions. What about people who aren't baseball players? What about the other, the, the entire community, not just the tokens? But nothing has changed. Because I described the one program, that now the social problem of those who are oh, not well, that easily this, employed... Listen to this shit. Now here comes the racism. Flying out of this fucker's mouth like bats out of a belfry. 
And here it is. This is what they inherently believe, the Republicans. Here we go. Trainable that we're neglecting it. Do you hear this? He's saying that. All right, let me just let him. Play. But now the social problem of those who are not that easily employable or trainable that we're neglecting it, that all the other programs I told you are in effect and are in working, including some additional ones such as Operation Bootstrap, Bootstrap. and others that are aimed at finding the specific reasons for the unemployment and the problems, and we are working on them. You might have been interested to know that uh, I asked for and have legislation that has been passed that in what is an even greater minority in California, and, an, and a minority that has a lower level of education, a higher rate of dropout, and a lower level of employment than the Negro, is the American and Mexican descent. Oh, they're so... And one of the great reasons the, that we've discovered the rapists? for this problem in, in education, our children coming to school, uh, who've heard nothing but Spanish in their homes. And we've passed legislation now that we're going to put dual language teachers in those schools so that a teacher will be able to find out in the child's home language Here whether his inability to get a subject or get an answer is because of lack of language knowledge and thus can get them on. This is, we have a number of things of this kind, but Wait. with regard to whether we can handle the job, I would think that uh, I voluntarily stated because I didn't think anyone was going to ask me and they didn't about some of the things that have led to our ability to reduce a budget by 127 million dollars well, to reduce the... With you. I mean I think you'll find that the students here would be described as, as liberal or liberal Democrats are in many ways sure or many of the same same attitudes with you are you know are very dissatisfied with the so-called you know liberalism of a person like Lyndon Johnson or the you know the the machine democratic politics but the problem comes down to I mean, and we share many of the same anxieties and frustrations even about the war, but the problem comes down to solutions Wait, hold and on. ways to do it. It's coming. And it seems to I us swear. that Mr. George is, a, in a sense, a retrogressive way of dealing with a governor. I'll pick it up after the break. California, I not only didn't declare the war, I can't end the no, war. No, but not even the war, but all, I mean, the whole range of problems. We have many similar, you know, attitudes, and you gave what I thought was a, a very good critique of the, the failure of public housing to meet the problems of the ghetto. But your solution seemed to me to go in, in the wrong direction. It was to to go back again to rely on private housing. No, there wouldn't be a I need. Did not. I said that I listen, listen. and believe that because there seems to be a, a lack of motivation lack uh, in of the in the area of public housing, that the individual in there. Uh, lacks all the motivation that makes any other human being take care of the place where he lives. Are you fucking kidding me? You hear this? This is what they believe. He And he said it earlier. What is it about the individual? That they, are they incapable of holding a job? And what is it about the individual that is it, they're incapable of taking care of the place where they live this is what the this is the perspective that reagan and the republicans are coming from it's not the system it's the person it's the it's black people or they're just something wrong with them what is it is it we're trying to study this this is what he's saying that's what he believes. Uh, lacks all the motivation that makes any other lacks human being take care of the place where he That makes any other human being takes, take care of the place that they're living in. 
have some concern about the neighborhood and so forth. Unbelievable. Crime has increased in all these things. I suggest that why don't we start exploring and experimenting? Crime has increased in all these things. Not the system. It's not the systematic racism, the years, the hundreds of years of oppression, Jim Crow, the divisiveness, the, the fact that African Americans put on the uniform of this country and fought in every war, including the War of Independence, hoping against hope that they would be considered equal citizens. And constant disappointment, the constant oppression written into law. The constant compromising with racists. And then the revisionist history. Where you get to the point where somebody like James Maddox is sitting with Jim Brown, interrupting Jim Brown, telling Jim Brown what he's wrong for not thinking about white people. When there's no... What the fuck is the history of this country? Thinking about white people... You got, uh, I, I mean, it must be so abusive and ab exhausting, frankly, for black people. That's all they have, they can think about. You don't give them any other fucking choice. Everyone at the top of the heap. Oh, so, so put upon, such victims. And this is what I can't stand about Republicans besides everything else the fascists in general, the incessant professional victimitis. It is a hallmark of fascism. That, that's one of the things that they do, the oppressed. Even the, the Nazis did it. They position themselves as the victims. They take the mantle of the oppressed while being the oppressor. Tell me you can't see that in everything that the Republicans do. They're always so put upon... And honestly, they, they lack, I don't know what it is. If they, if they don't like what is staring back at them when they look in the mirror, then it's not the mirror's fault. It is your fucking face. Fix your face. Don't break the mirror. Don't curse the mirror. Fix your goddamn face. If you don't like it, you got a choice. You know, party of personal responsibility and all. Take some goddamn responsibility. And I'm talking about even the... Cons it's really conservatism against liberalism. That's why the Republicans are so tediously, emotionally stunted. I'm tired of having to deal with their inability. Uh, it's like children who can't look at themselves because they lack the, uh, the emotional and intellectual ability that's not their fault they're children what's the republicans excuse what is the De the dlc democratic excuse frankly there has to be a historical context and historical connection but they everything is like every day is just the fucking first day on earth or something and i'm tired of it and i'm also entirely concerned about it because all, after all this, all this pain, all this struggle, the needless death, and if we, if we miss this moment yet again, we're, I mean, honestly, we deserve what we get then.
It's the truth. They're they're coming. They're coming for it. They're coming for this moment. They're trying to co-opt it and to focus it as narrowly as possible so there is absolutely no actual change. Believe me. And it is happening. They will put some tokens forward. They will insist on some nominal reforms. You see what's happening now with this conversation about defund the police, how they're twisting that. And and we gave them that opportunity. Sometimes things just happen, but we fell into that trap. Defund the police. Oh, now you have the law and order crowd saying, oh, you can't have no police. But nobody said no police. There has to be a way of thinking about the police and what the police are and what they do. In the conservative mind, if there are no police, it's complete chaos out here. That's how, who they are. They are wedded to hierarchy. Conservatives are and they're a fear-based ideology. We know that. And they're afraid. They, they need everybody in their place. And the police... If if no police, defund the police, who's going to crack skulls? Who's going to, you know, if without the police, in their mind, they think everything is just, we're all, we're going to be Mad Max. Because they have no idea about any other, any other American experience, but their own. As I say, the center of the universe is a very crowded place filled with Republicans. None of them. None of them consider anybody else or, and if you do, if you bring the stories of other Americans, their experiences to the table that, uh, then you're, you know, it's like what, what any fascist society do, denounce anyone who dares question the country or the policies Denounce them for lack of patriotism. This is why I am saying constantly that progressives are the true patriots. We not only are capable of functioning in a type of free democratic society that the right-wingers can only pretend to love, but we're, you know, uh, we're capable of looking at ourselves in the mirror and making adjustments. I think that's not, there's nothing more patriotic than that. Of taking the entire picture, taking the good, the bad, the ugly, owning it, not fucking whitewashing it. Like whitewashing the goddamn civil war? A bunch of traitors? Are you kidding? Yeah, defund. <laughs> I'm looking at the chat. They should be happy with defund the police because my motto would be defund the murderers. Yeah. They don't see it like that. And the cops are fucked up, man. I, I don't know if you just saw... They... It's just... I don't know. They, I just saw this video of a bunch of protesters getting beat down because one of the cops was walking in front of them and he stopped short so the guy behind him bumped into him and then all the other cops swarmed. But we all got it. They they got it on video. We all saw what he did, what that cop did, as an excuse to beat down on a fellow American, to abuse the authority that he was given. 
by the people. Now, what is the purpose of a police department? It better goddamn be to protect and serve, not to beat down on the American people. No, you know who they're protecting and serving? We say it here all the time. They are protecting and serving the elites, the banksters. They are protecting and serving the interests of the 1% who have this country by the fucking balls and the wallet, and they're squeezing. It's all about the unholy dollar for these scumbags. So that's why I'm here, honestly, to tell them that it's not patriotic. If you uh, just think that everything is boiled down to profit for yourself and your pals, then you're not a patriot. Yeah, the cop, there was, a, it's a video that's going around. This cop stopped short. A bunch of people walking, they're protesting. And the cop stops short, just stops. And the guy bumps into him, and then, then all the other cops swarm. It was a tactic. A fascist tactic, but yeah. So, anyway, unbelievable. You know, so there's such a racist-ass history in this country, and conservatives, they would really be... They, they're only seeing the light because, as always happens, what always happens is that we continue to evolve despite them. And they're, as William... Was it William F. Buckley who said that? That conservatism, the ideology of conservatism stands athwart history yelling stop that's what conservatism is but they're not yelling stop they're only yelling stop uh, to progress of a more perfect union they're yelling stop when other people other than the rich white man demands a seat at the table then they yell stop when Somebody, when those who aren't rich white men demand a seat at the table, the William F. Buckleys of the world, the conservatives of the world, they yell victim. They cry victim. They, then they pick up the mantle, you know, of the oppressed. But they are the oppressor. Do not make any mistakes. And a couple of weeks ago, we... It wasn't weeks. Maybe it felt like weeks. Uh, we played the uh, the video. Uh, we've played a clip from James Baldwin at Cambridge when he. But that was a clip from a famous debate um, between James Baldwin and William F. Buckley. Now we 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 played the clip of of James Baldwin, and James Baldwin was to sum it up. He said, and we brought it up a few times here that. For every for uh, for all the horribleness of the white of the poor white southerner for their experience and it is quite horrible he said the, at least they tell themselves at least I am not black and James Baldwin as poetic as he was he he put everything in the first person I picked the cotton I. And, uh, you know, it was him. I felt the sting of the lash. Connecting us to history. Putting that in the first person. It makes it... It, it makes us 
um, th realize that we are all connected by this this history, white or black. Anyway, so I, I, I didn't play William F. Buckley's response. Now, William F. Buckley, how do you respond to that? How do you get invited to Cambridge to debate? The, 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 the question of the debate was, has the American dream... Is the American dream um, at the expense of the American Negro? That was the question. And this is what they were debating. And they invited William F. Buckley, a, this rabid racist conservative, to, in, in a rabidly racist time, to defend himself, to defend his ideology. And instead of defending the ideology or even answering James Baldwin's uh, story or his critique, his clearly um, honest assessment of what is going on, what was going on in the American experience and in the and not just in the American American South, but Buckley, he does what any conservative still does to to this day. He he starts attacking James Baldwin. He starts mocking him, really. And I, I just want to play a little bit of it. It's really fucked up. Take our preferred gentleman. <clears throat> it seems to me that of all the indictments Mr. Baldwin has made of America, here tonight and in his copious literature protest. The one that is most striking. His voice is so annoying. <laughs> involves, in effect, the refusal of the American community to treat him other than as a Negro. The American community has refused to do this. So he goes right the after him personally. The American community, almost everywhere he goes, uh, treats him with the kind of unction, uh, the kind of satisfaction uh, at posturing carefully for his And look at Baldwin's face. Oh, my revolution. God. He's like this fucking that cracker. That indeed, uh, quite properly, uh, commands the contempt which he so eloquently showers upon us. Commands contempt that he so eloquently uh, showers on us. Fuck you, William Buckley. You know what I mean? I'll say it for James Baldwin. Fuck you, old man. Thank God you're gone. How do you defend the indefensible? These scumbags. You're talking about a Jim Crow South. You're talking about these disgusting... This is, this is the conservative way to wrap their fucking ideology of greed, of disparity, of I got mine, fuck you. I got mine at any cost. Doesn't matter, my fellow Americans, how many of my fellow Americans I swallow whole. But the, this is his, his American story. That's the only worthy one. He's, you know, he's got it all. He's a rich, white motherfucker. A, somebody who was handed everything. 
and made a career out of telling everybody just how, uh, if they don't have it as good as he does, it's everybody, it's not the fault of the system, it's their fault. And that's why he goes after James Baldwin on an, as an individual person. He's got nothing to say. How can you defend the indefensible? It is, in fact, the case uh, that seven-tenths uh, seven of the white income of the United States uh, is uh, equal to the income that is made by the, uh, by the average Negro. I don't think this is an irrelevant statistic. Uh, see? Oh, on. see? Some uh, people have money. Some black 15, people have 16, money. 17, Despite the racist-ass system. What the fuck does that have to do with anything? In fact, Buckley, he, he only has money because he was, his daddy handed it to him. The pretension, the the pompousness. Dollars per job in the United States. This is a capitalization that was not created uh, exclusively as a result of Negro travail. My great grandparents worked too. Presumably yours worked also. I don't know How if anything has ever been created without the expense of something. Uh, All of you oh, who yeah. for a diploma here are going to do that at the expense of a considerable amount of effort. And I would thank you. Wow. Please not to belie uh, the fact that a considerable amount of effort uh, went into the production of a system which grants a greater degree of material well-being to the American Negro than that that is enjoyed by 95% of the other peoples of the human race. But he- Holy shit. This is... I, I, you could be watching Fox News today. In fact, they've, they've done the similar kind of fucking, you know, this uh, huckster act because poor people in the United States have a higher standard of living. Remember that's... That video or that piece from Fox News where they were saying, well, you know, poor people are not, it's not, they're not as poor because they have microwaves. They have TVs now and cell phones. Well, a hundred years ago, they didn't have fucking running water either, but now they all have it good. They're not shitting outside anymore. They have air conditioning. They're not sweating. They're not living, uh, you know, in tenement homes packed in like sardines anymore. But so there goes. Nothing. Nothing's wrong then. All to defend the indefensible. And William F. Buckley, how dare these people? Really. Think about what kind of a low human being is born on third base thinking they hit a triple, and use their entire platform to ensure that it remains, that the, that the broken system remains broken, that people remain divided, that he's doing as much harm to white citizens as he is to black or any other fucking pigment. Keeping everybody divided, down, keeping the system as broke and as uh, as painful, painfully broken as it is. Yeah, this is the end of the Progressive Voices part of the show. And that goddamn song goes on for about a minute. I have to cut that down. I have to do something about that. Maybe I'll have to fix it. Maybe it should only go on for like 30 seconds. Bam.
Because it really, it's not good. <laughs> it throws me off, you know? All right, my name is Tara Devlin. Thank you for hanging out every Saturday evening from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern. We stick together, we win. All right, I'm back for the rest of the show. Oh, and before, actually, before we keep going with this, I wanted to ask you all to do me a favor. Since we can. You don't have to. Don't think, you know, I'm not, nobody's going to check up on you. I wanted to ask you, first of all, before I go on, I see that I've received a few super chats during the show. And I haven't acknowledged them, so I want to thank you. Let me see. Who do we got? Where are you? God damn it. Everything is so confusing. So many screens open. So let me see. Who do we get? Mark, thank you. Jim, thank you. Thank you, Deborah. Thank you, Onisent. And yeah, that's it. If you can, and if you can become a patron, please do that at um, patreon.com slash Tara Devlin. If we need a, um, we need about a thousand more of you. Tara, did you see the tweet of Trump I sent you? It was too much. Let me see. I don't think so. I don't think so. Maybe you'd, I don't know. Anyway, so if you go on, I'll I'll check it out later. So Anand Garahardes, is, he he actually follows me on Twitter, which I was very flattered, and it made me oh, made me very happy that somebody that awesome follows my Twitter account, and I tweeted to him. A message, hey, come on my show, blah blah blah. I sent him a little. He never responded. He ghosted me. He ghosted me. But he still follows me. Anyway, today on his on his Twitter account, Anand writes, it's at A-N-A-N-D-W-R-I-T-E-S. Anand writes, he asked, he tweeted, so I'm, I'm experimenting with different models of online conversations that can be streamed and seen by all. Thanks to many of you, for the advice this week. Question, whom would you want to see me have a super long meandering conversation with of the kind impossible on TV? So I'm asking you to tweet at him that you want him, want him to talk with me. All right. I would love to talk with him. We're on the same page. So go to him. I, I can't do it because it looks like, it looks very, uh, it looks like I'm, you know, it's desperate. So go on Twitter. Go on Anand Writes. At Anand Writes. I think his tweet is posted on near the top. Oh, hi, Tara Jr. Jr. Come on over. Come on. Come on. Are you coming? And thank you for... Uh, yeah, that'll help. Just tweet at him. Maybe he'll, he'll answer my fucking tweet again or uh, and and say yeah yeah why not i'll go on your show or even have me on his show that would be a real coup not that i'm holding my breath so 
uh if you can if you if you're a patron if you can't be a patron or if you're whatever the, the your situation is that's something that you can help do to get the word out do it for the liberal media i a hundred thousand percent agree with what he talks about and we need to elevate this kind of voice does he have a facebook page i don't know i'm sure he does says S. Cheyenne. You know who he is. Anand Garahades. He wrote a book called Winner Take All. Thank you, Shannon, for your super chat and your nice message. Tara rules. Thank you. Well, thank you. All right. Back to business. And let me see. Here's, listen to this fucker. I'm not going to play the whole thing, but. So, uh, to the extent that your withering laughter are suggested here that you found this a contemptible observation. What a dumb, what a douchebag. I don't think it matters that there are 35 millionaires among the Negro community. If there were 35, if there were 20 million uh, millionaires among the Negro community of the United States, I would still agree with you that we have a dastardly situation. But I'm asking you not, uh, not to make politics as the crow flies, to use the fleeted phrase oh of Professor God. Can you but believe this fucking guy? Wait, I, oh, I hit the wrong at Chicago, uh, and is told by the white woman that he is obviously underage and under the circumstances cannot be served. I know. Look at James Baldwin's face. Holy shit, he's like, what? Uh, and was was taken by the scruff of the neck by a policeman wow. uh, on 42nd Street, Madison Avenue, and said, "Here, you nigger, go back to where you belong." I'm sorry, I left that word in. Uh, 15, 20 years later, uh, he goes in and asks for a scotch whiskey at the airport at Chicago uh, and is told by the white woman that he is obviously underage and under the circumstances cannot be served. Can you believe know, this fucking douchebag? I know from your faces that you share with me the feeling of compassion and the feeling of our outrage that this kind of thing wow. should have happened. What, in fact, are we going to do to this policeman? And what, in fact, are we going to do uh, to, uh, to this bomb? And how are we going to avoid the kind of humiliations that are perpetually visited on members of a minority race? Obviously, the first element is concern. Fuck We've got you. to care that it happens. Wow. We've got to do what Sorry. we can to change the warp and woof of moral, moral thought in society in such fashion as to try to make it happen less and less. Let me urge this point to you, which I can do with authority, my friends, the only thing that I can tonight. And that is to tell you uh, that in the United States, there is a concern for the Negro problem. Oh my now, God. if you get up to me and say... <laughs> Why are they clapping? Uh, if you get up to me and say, well, now, is there the kind of concern that... Oh, forget him. How do you affect that kind of voice? What a douchebag. Now, let me remind everybody, this is... He's a disgusting human being who wrote an article called Why the South Might, Must Prevail. And... Over the years, as history continued to evolve without him, as history does with conservatives, uh, there was this article, let me show you what I'm looking at, on, 
well, here's an article. Uh, it was on political. How William F. Buckley changed his mind on civil rights. You notice how they evolve? Conservative editor and intellectual William F. Buckley ran for mayor of New York in 1965. He may have been the first conservative to endorse affirmative action, or as he called it, the kind of special treatment for African-Americans that might make up for centuries of oppression. He promised to crack down on labor unions that discriminated against minorities and cause a cause even his liberal opponents were unwilling to embrace. Buckley pointed out that inherent unfairness in the administration of drug laws and judicial sentencing. He also advanced a welfare reform package whose major components were job training, education, and daycare. In 1965, I mean, 69, in his capacity of as editor of the National Review, launded a decade and a half earlier as a conservative weekly journal of opinion, that stood in opposition to the dominant liberal ethos of the time, Buckley toured African-American neighborhoods in Cleveland, Detroit, Chicago, blah, 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 blah. This Buckley, who emerged in the years after 1965, bore little resemblance to the one who eight years earlier in 1957 had penned an editorial he titled Why Why the South Must Prevail in which he declared the white race the more advanced race and such the most fit to govern. What happened in those eight years that sparked this change in attitude and policy? How did a man who later proclaimed his greatest legacy was keeping the conservative movement free of bigots Kooks and anti-Semites moved past a nakedly racist editorial like that. It was the convergence of political shifts, particularly in the South, where the more genteel states-focused, uh, states-rights-focused politicians were giving way to the more overtly racist populist demagogues. And his own personal introspection, rooted particularly in his religious faith. I mean, come on. Give me an effing break. Why? How he changed his mind? He obviously saw which way the goddamn wind is blowing. How do you change your mind? What's right is right. How do you change... Honestly, how do you change your mind from something where you think that white people are the most advanced? You're living in the goddamn 20th century... And you have the fucking nerve to write an article like that. Why the South must prevail. And these are the great intellectual heroes of conservatives. You understand? They don't... You know, let me tell you. Some... I cannot stand Republicans. I don't know if you, are, if you caught that yet. Uh, but... They have... They really have no legs to stand on. And when they do, like, for example, some, I, I just got, again, somebody tweeted me about, there's a, there's a picture of Hillary Clinton hugging, who is this? Hillary Clinton hugs, it, it goes all over on the right wing. Who's that, that Democratic segregationist? Um, Strom Thurmond, right? Let me 
me see. This is this picture. I don't know. Uh, uh, there's a picture of Hillary Clinton. Was it Strom Thurmond? Somebody on the chat can tell me. Oh, yeah. There it is. This picture here. I can't tell you how many times a fucking right winger has sent me this picture. Who cares? So Hillary Clinton... The uh, hugs. Who? Who is this fucking guy? Yeah, Strom Thurmond hugs at his hundredth birthday party for Strom Thurmond, a nineteen forty-eight anti-integration Dixiecrat. So that means basically that what they're trying to say is that the Democratic Party is racist. Because Hillary Clinton took a picture with Strom Thurmond. And therefore, everything else that is done is null and void. Yeah, they are stupid. This is the problem with bipartisan bullshit. What is right is right. And why? Why we have to get money out of politics. We, we must get rid of these fake-ass, self-serving, self-dealing politicians on either side of the aisle they bring nothing to the table they are part of the problem hillary clinton uh, because she hugs strom thurmond because he's one of them he's one of the club it doesn't matter what he stands for it's the same situation with joe biden saying he has a blood oath with uh, bob dole to cut social security and 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 medicare to cut the sacred cows of the Democratic Party, you know, the Democratic Party history, well, American history. The sacred cows. Um, anyway. So what? The, the thing that annoys me is that there's complexity in life. This complexity in politics. This is why I, I ask you all to support the real liberal media. Yeah, you're right, Mark. See, it's all about being in the club. And we're not in that club. You understand? They are serving us up. We are all on the menu. Yes, Republicans are disgusting. They have absolutely no integrity, no dignity. Obviously, they have no dignity. They have no decency. They hate democracy. But the Democratic Party, they need to, uh, you know, you know what's right and you know what's wrong. So Strom Thurmond was in the club. I remember I was in Fort Jackson. They probably still have this uh, in, in Fort Jackson when I went to training for the National Guard. And... The main road in Fort Jackson is Strom Thurmond Avenue. I remember looking out like, fucking Strom Thurmond? Really? These are our heroes? Now, who put that motherfucking's name on the street in, in Fort Jackson itself? Why? Why him? Strom Thurmond Avenue. Disgusting.
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fort Jackson, Storm Thurman Boulevard. That's what it is. Gross. And this is why this country is sick. What what sick ass country now uh, uh, puts names segregationists on the uh, names streets after segregationists in a diverse nation? Unless they're trying to say who is in charge. Know your place, motherfucker. Like right now, for example. Um, Jeff Sessions. He just went on a Twitter tirade, Jeff Sessions. Let me see. Radical leftists. Let me see. It was because he was tweeting about the Confederacy. Yeah. What the fuck? These people are... They love the goddamn... They love a bunch of traitors for some reason. Now, imagine. Think about this. They call Angela Davis a traitor. What is she... What the hell? She's a true American. They call Angela Davis a radical, a terrorist, a traitor. But they literally friggin' venerate people who took up arms against this country, those who actually killed American citizens, who committed acts of violence, so they could continue committing acts of violence for generations. Talk about the cognitive dissonance of that kind of shit, of a country that allows that to continue. How sick that country is. So let's see. Jeff Sessions says, if you had your way... Oh, he's tweeting at Doug Jones. Doug Jones is... Um, the Senate U.S. Senate candidate. You are a radical leftist. So Doug Jones... I mean, uh, Jeff Sessions says to Doug Jones, you are a radical leftist. I'll show you my tweet, my screen. A pawn for Chuck Schumer. You voted to impeach President Trump. Reject Judge Kavanaugh. Fuck it. Fuck yeah. Voted against end to late term abortions to end late term. Like that's even a thing. And now you join with the woke mob to erase history. You are history. That's what they're saying. Erase history. Not erase. You're not erasing history. When you, ref when you choose not to venerate a bunch of traitors. But it's really way over their heads. If it were the other way around, if we're talking about statues of Angela Davis, what do you think these right-wingers would, would be doing? Angela Davis, who is actually a real American, who loves this country enough to say... This shit has to stop. It has to change. So Jeff Sessions, Doug Jones vote to remove from all military facilities and installations the names of every soldier who fought for the Confederacy betrays the character and decency of every soldier who fought for the South in that bloody and monumental war. 
Make no mistake, this is not a little matter. It reveals a profound deficit in his understanding of what it means to be Alabama's senator. Doug Jones' vote to seek to erase Alabama's and America's history and thousands of Alabamians for doing what they consider to be their duty. Their fucking duty. I know what a duty is. That's the Republican way. They Well, they duty. And I'm not trying to get childish. Duty? What the fuck do they... Their duty to be a traitor? These pigs, and I love pigs, so sh- I, I mean, really, I'm sorry, pigs, to insult you. Let me see, hold on. Alabama. Let's see. The Civil War. Why don't you secede now, Alabama? Because, really, I'm tired of, of propping you up with my blue state dollars. Let me see, hold on. Federal... Which states are givers and which states are takers? Alabama. Let's see. Mississippi. Here's a map. Let's see. It's hard to read. It's so small. These are takers. Dependent states, as measured by the composite score, are Mississippi and New Mexico, each of which gets back about $3 in federal spending for every dollar they send to the federal treasury in in taxes. Alabama and Louisiana are close behind. Look at these goddamn takers. So many goddamn takers. Alabama, holy shit, it's like right up there at the top. They get over $3 back for every every tax dollar they put in. What a bunch of takers. I'm sick of these takers sucking on the government teeth. And they don't even, they have no courtesy to say thank you. They don't know their place. You would think because Republicans are wedded to hierarchy. Know your place. Your place is below. You better at least have the decency and the dignity and the manners to say thank you. Thank you, blue states. Jeff Sessions' Twitter tirade, rest assured I've never cowered from confronting the politically correct mob. And when I return to the Senate, I will boldly stand for Alabama and against the leftist radicals who are seeking to erase our nation's history. Honey, we're not seeking to erase the nation's history. You are. Republicans are. They want to erase it and rewrite it and make themselves into the heroes that they are not. You mother fucking children. 
Government resources cannot be used as a hammer to suppress personal viewpoints. But that is what is happening here. Birmingham Board of Education are using government power to coerce people into specific viewpoints. Like what? These people are sick. Nobody's coercing anybody into specific viewpoints except the right-wing freaks of this country who want us all to be Jesus lovers or whatever, whatever they believe, whatever these fuckers believe, which ain't much. It's all about money for the few and divide and conquer for the rest of us. Our history... Let me see. Here's uh, Alabama. You want to hear the history? The history is... This is the history that they're fighting for. This is Vice President Alexander... This is Confederate Vice President Alexander Stevens's famous cornerstone speech. And... He right. in, in his March 21st, 1861 cornerstone speech, Confederate Vice President Alexander Stevens presents what he believes are the reasons for what he terms the revolution. This revolution, meaning the Civil War, resulted in the American Civil War. Stevens' speech is remembered by many for its defense of slavery, its outlining of the perceived differences between the North and the South, and the radical rhetoric used to show the inferiority of African Americans. A few weeks after the speech, on April 12, 1861, Confederate forces fired on Fort Sumter in Charleston Harbor, initiating the American Civil War. Hmm, let me see. Our new government, here's what they, what Jeff Sessions is talking about. Our new government is founded upon exactly, well, let me go back a couple of, he says, a couple of lines. Let's see, Jefferson in its forecasts, blah, blah, blah. I'm just trying to find where I could pick this up, but not uh, tedious and enumerating the numerous changes for the better. Allow me to allude to one other Though not least, the new Constitution has put to rest forever all the agitating questions relating to our particular institution of African slavery as it exists among, the, among us, the proper status of the Negro in our form of civilization. And our form of civilization, the South. This was the immediate cause of the late rupture and present revolution. Jefferson, in his forecast, had anticipated this as the rock upon which the Union would split. He was right. What was conjecture with him is now realized fact, but whether he fully comprehended the great truth upon which this rock stands may be doubted. The prevailing ideas entertained by him and most of the leading statesmen of the time of the formation of the old constitution were the enslavement of Africans was in violation of the laws of nature, that it was wrong in principle, socially, morally, and politically. It was an evil that they knew not well how to deal with, but 
the general opinion of the men of the day was that somehow or other in the order of providence, the institutions would be, uh, how do you pronounce that? Would, uh, would pass away. This idea, though not incorporated in the Constitution, was the prevailing idea that of that time. The Constitution, it is true, secured every essential guarantee to the institution while it should last, and hence no argument can be justly argued against the constitutional guarantees secured because of the common sentiment of that day. Those ideas, however, were fundamentally wrong. They rested upon the assumption of the equality of the races. This was an error. It was a sandy foundation, and the government built upon it fell when the storm came and the wind blew. Our new government is founded exactly on the opposite idea. Its foundations are laid, its cornerstone rests upon the great truth. Here's Jeff Sessions defending the great truth. That the Negro, quote unquote, is not equal to the white man. That's what Jeff Sessions heritage. That's what he's defending. That's what the fucking scumbags who took up arms against this country so rich people can own other people. That's what they were defending. And that's what they were fighting for. Like what James Baldwin said, even the lowest white man in the most horrible circumstances can say at least he is not black. So these idiots, these, these Southerners, the Jeff Sessions of, the, of their day, took up arms and shot and killed and murdered their fellow Americans and then proceeded, even when they lost, to enact years, decades, a century of terrorism on their fellow Americans, of all pigments. Because they kept us in this goddamn divisiveness. They brought us to today. So, Vice President Stevens states, he continues, the slavery subordination to the superior race is his natural and normal condition. What is the difference between this, the cornerstone speech, and William F. Buckley's speech? He's saying the same thing. His speech about how the South must prevail because white people are superior coming from a speaking for as a white person himself who happens to be born on third base this new government is the first in the history of the world based upon this great physical philosophical and moral truth see how they twist things they're the moral ones that's their moral truth this truth has been slow in the process of its development, like all truths in the various departments of science. Fuck you. This truth has, uh, give me a, is, has have been slow, it, like all truth. No, it's not a truth. Yeah, you're right, Mark, on the chat. Unfortunately, the South did prevail. You know why? Because we allowed it to. And we must not allow it. And this is partly why I do the show, too. So, and you guys support the real liberal media. So we get the fucking word out there that it's not, they're not on the right side of history. They're not on the right side of democracy. They're not on the right side of humanity. 
They're disgusting, and nothing has changed for them for thousands of years. They want the divisiveness. They need to keep it alive. Even when their, uh, their C.J. Pearsons of the world come out and, and, and say that it's liberals who want to keep the divide. Oh, because why? Because liberals entice black people with uh, social safety net programs. This is what he's saying. That is the old racist trope. He probably doesn't even realize he's promulgating it. Unbelievable. Those, and then uh, this Stephen says, it's been uh, many who hear me perhaps will recollect well that this truth was not generally admitted even within their day. The errors of the past generation still clung to as late as 20 years ago. Those in the North still cling to these errors. They're talking about the error that black people, that our American experience is, is vast and that we're equal. And he's calling those who cling to, cling, who understand the truth, that all are fanatics. He says all fanaticisms spring from an aberration of the mind, from a defect in reasoning. You see how, how they twist things? So in, it, it, they're still doing it today. Oh, they're moral. They're the right-wingers. They're the moral ones. They're the patriotic ones. They're the, 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 uh, the ones who are honoring history while they erase the entire disgusting parts. We're not trying to erase history. We're trying to right the wrongs of history to honor those who deserve to be honored. Not the bunch of traitors. And you don't get to do it and keep on doing it because you have a picture of Hillary Clinton kissing Strom Thurmond. Who fucking cares? But that's what they do. What aboutism? What aboutism? Another fascist tactic. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of them destroying this country and destroying a more perfect union. That's our goal, to make... To, to actualize, finally, to actualize the dreams of the promises of our documents, to actualize the more perfect union, the pursuit of happiness, e pluribus unum. We're on the right side of all of those things. History, decency, democracy, humanity. Oh, brother... You guys, yes, um, we're in a civil war still. The South has prevailed because we allowed it. You don't compromise with snakes. You don't be. You don't uh, form a bipartisan commission with those who think that our fellow Americans are less evolved somehow, or they're I don't know. Because somebody has darker. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. It's stupid. This is why I'm tired. I'm exhausted from, from the platitudes and the tokens. We don't need another token. I don't care that Joe Biden wants a female VP. We want progress. We want policies. Economic justice. That's racial justice. We're in this together. 
My name is Tara Devil, and thank you for hanging out every Saturday evening from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern at the RDT Daily Facebook and YouTube channels. Please become a patron at patreon.com slash Tara Devlin because we are on the right side of history. We are on the right side of humanity. If you believe in the liberal media, because we cannot do it without a true liberal media, please give us your support. We stick together. We win. I'll see you soon.